What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Behind the Glass Sports Podcast. We thank you guys for tuning in, whether you're uh, catching us via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, or wherever you find us. We thank you guys for tuning in. Happy Friday. Hope you're, hopefully your, uh, your weekend's getting off to a great start. I know ours is because we get another chance to talk basketball. And honestly, at this point, we should just rename this to a basketball podcast because we spent so much time talking <laughs> basketball. But that's not the case. However, we are excited to be joined by our, by our guy, uh, Jake Coyne. He, uh, he's a data science major. But just because he's a student, don't let that fool you to that. This man hasn't done the practical experience or doesn't know what he's talking about. He's done some freelance NBA work for multiple teams. He's also done work with uh, AT&T Sports and NBC Sports. So we are super excited to have him on. Jake, my man, how is it going? Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, appreciate being here. How are you guys? Doing all right, man. Like I said, anytime we can get to talk some basketball, especially Nuggets, we uh, we geek out on it. We love it. And, you know, obviously the Nuggets season is over. Didn't go how everybody might have wanted it to go. So our, our focus immediately shifted to the offseason. And we were kind of, you know, going through in, in prior podcasts of, you know, previewing a little bit. We haven't gone in depth, though. And then I saw your piece on Twitter that um, I believe it was Alec Gwynn and, and Ryan uh, Blackburn posted out. Ryan's a good friend of ours. We've had him on a few times. We saw them post out your your spreadsheet or, or your, your doc, um, which I encourage everybody to go check that out. Um, you can follow Jake. It's it's the, the Stat Squatch, right? Or what, what's your handle, Jake? Yeah, so the, uh, my name on Twitter is the Stat Squatch, but I think my handle is actually Bronco Squatch. Okay. So... Stat Squatch is just a funny nickname that came from work a while back. And uh, so, yeah, that's what I go by on Twitter. So go to Bronco Squatch. Find him on there. Um, I don't know if you posted it on there. I'm sure you probably have. But look for his his Denver Nuggets Google Doc. It's a huge, awesome breakdown. I haven't seen anybody do anything like this. So first off, shout out to you. Thank you for doing it. Uh, doing this, especially for people like us who aren't, you know, so well um, knowledgeable on, on this type of stuff. When who it comes are dumb to... is, is what he's trying to get at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, who are dumb. Essentially us, people who are dumb, who, who don't know the in-depth stuff on salary cap and everything like that. Like Jake breaks it down. Salary cap introduction, the salary state of the league with COVID and everything like that. So that is completely awesome. Check that stuff out. Uh, Jake, real quick though, for, for our audience who isn't well-versed, um, in the salary cap, if you were explaining this to, you know, a 10 year old or, you know, a 15 year old, how best would you be able to break down? How would you break down the, the NBA salary cap and just the basic need to know stuff? Yeah. So the salary cap in the NBA is a little bit different from the NFL. So in the NFL, they have what's called a hard cap. And what that means is they set a number and the NFL teams can't go beyond that number. But for the NBA, it's more of a soft cap. And so they set that number every year, and it usually increases. Uh, But this year, it might not, just due to the COVID stuff. But that salary cap number, teams can go over, but it just limits what they can do if they go over that cap number. So they can't sign free agents outright from different teams if they're over the cap. And once they reach a certain number beyond the cap, they enter what's called the luxury tax. And the luxury tax is where you're paying a certain amount of money for every dollar you're over the cap. 
Uh, so I think in the lowest bracket, it's something like a dollar seventy-five per dollar over the luxury tax. And so you'll hear luxury tax brought up a lot with the Nuggets uh, because a lot of people think that the Cronkies, the ownership group there, is kind of worried about going into that luxury tax. Uh, but yeah, so there's those are the two most important things to know is there's a, a salary cap, but you can go over it. And then there's a luxury tax number that you can also go over, but teams are less uh, inclined to do that. And as far as the Denver Nuggets, okay, we, we know, um, you know, and you, you mentioned it, their ownership group, you know, the, the reality of being a small to mid-market NBA team is, is you don't necessarily get the opportunity or the luxury to be able to just go buy your team, like a, like a LA Lakers or a Miami Heat to an extent, uh, the New York Knicks. You know, you don't have money just out the wazoo to be able to just spend. So for with these teams like your Oklahoma City, your Denver Nuggets, uh, you know, Indiana Pacers, like you have to be smart about this. And, and really you have to build a certain way, your team. Uh, we saw Oklahoma City do it, draft really well. Uh, obviously they didn't get a finals out of it, but that's kind of what Denver has done. They, they've drafted really well. They found good free agents and, and good trades uh, for guys who, you know, weren't big names or, or maybe on the, the, the final stages of their career like a Paul Millsap. And that's how they've done it. When it comes to the Nuggets, what does their their salary cap look like? What what is the the money they have to play with? And do you believe that they'll be willing to go into the luxury tax this season? Yeah, so you're totally right. There's a there's a bunch of different uh, challenges, I guess, when it comes to building an NBA team, and that's kind of unique for each market. But when it comes to the Nuggets, they're looking at being over the cap, most likely. If Jeremy Grant re-signs in Denver, they'll be over the cap unless they dump another salary somewhere else. So their their main methods of being able to improve the team will come through certain exceptions uh, that they can use to sign free agents, and it'll also come through the trade market. And so the Nuggets are kind of in that position where they drafted really well, their guys are really good, and now they're starting to make their money. And so you have to be a little bit better as a front office about where you use the money that you can use in order to give the, the best possible product on the court. So for the Nuggets, uh, when we look at them, and you mentioned Jeremy Grant. Now, what, what do you think is the, the contract? And you, you put it down in your breakdown. Um, what do you think the contract is going to look like for him? Um, obviously, he's not a max level guy, but listen, he earned himself some money in this playoff run, what do you think is the most likely type of deal or, or number we see him reach? Yeah. So Jeremy Grant definitely earned him, himself a, a pay raise during these playoffs. And so the number that I expect he'll get is over four years, somewhere just North of 60 million. So I think he'll probably be looking at an annual average salary of about 16 million and a quarter. That's kind of what I think. I know that uh, Mike Singer, who works for the Denver Post, and he's great. You can follow him on Twitter. He just put out recently that he thinks 14 to 16 million will get it done. So he's kind of in that similar neighborhood. Uh, I think around 16 million might be kind of what we're looking at for Jeremy Grant. So one of the more interesting things that you had in here was different scenarios, or I guess five visions that you could see the Nuggets going towards uh, for next season. Um, I'm going to start with the first one. Uh, I think most people would be a little bit more inclined with this one, um, just because of the pieces that 
one the piece that you're you're getting in Bradley Beal, but you're also giving up Michael Porter. I personally don't like any any idea of giving up Michael Porter. Um, but why would it would it absolutely take Michael Porter to get Bradley Beal? Yeah, so for the Nuggets, I think Bradley Beal is on that short list of names that they might think about trading Michael Porter Jr. for. And I do think that in order to get him, it'll take Michael Porter Jr. And that's mostly because Bradley Beal is under contract for a few more years, so there's no really flight risk of him leaving. Um, There's a couple other guys I'm sure we'll talk about later who aren't in that position, so their value might not be as high. Uh, But Bradley Beal, an absolutely incredible score, 30 points a game, uh, pretty good shooting. And I think in order to get that type of guy, you're looking at at a Michael Porter Jr. plus salary plus picks to get that done. Right. Okay. And so what have you heard of any other teams? Obviously, I would assume the Lakers might try to do something. Um, are there any other teams, though, that you could see going after Bradley Beal that maybe would leapfrog the Nuggets? Or do the Nuggets really have the best... I guess, piece that they could give up in, in MPJ. And then Gary Harris is also part of that trade. Yeah, well, breaking news to Lakers fans is they're definitely not going to get Bradley Beal because they do not <laughs> have the pieces in right. order to pull that one off. Luckily for Denver fans, I guess, that is. Um, as far as who might get him, I'll say first off that I, right now, I would expect that he starts this next season in Washington again. But... If a team were to leapfrog the Nuggets, I could see it being the Heat because for a player like Bradley Beal, they might be more willing to give up a Tyler Hero who we all just saw in the finals. And I think that's a piece that would really attract Washington. But I also think on the other hand that the Heat are trying to save some cap space for 2021. And so I think they're less likely to do that. And then as far as kind of what Washington wants, if they prefer high draft picks, they might not want to look at Denver for an option there. They'd probably look at another team who's kind of borderline playoffs and they might have higher picks. I could see like a New Orleans being that type of team that could give them better picks. Uh, So yeah, Bradley Beal would definitely be sought after by a lot of teams. So what about, who what knows? about Golden State with that second overall pick? Or do, would they probably want more than just that one pick? Yeah, I think because this year's draft is a little weaker than a lot of drafts, that they would want more than the number two pick. So from Golden State's perspective, salary-wise, you'd have to give up Andrew Wiggins, uh, probably a couple smaller salary pieces. I would think that number two pick and considering they, they're going to be a good team, I would say probably at least one, maybe two more picks on top of that. And I, I like those scenarios you brought up. I, I, didn't, I didn't think about Miami. Like that make, to me, that makes excellent sense for Miami if they want to try and win now. But I know we saw, at least I did on Twitter the other day, that like you said, Miami is really saving money because they want to go all out for Giannis in 2021 but I mean that would be interesting if you're Miami I mean you're getting rid of Hero who looks like a player with a lot of promise but essentially you're getting the the uh 
you know, the microwave version, the already made version of him in Bradley Beal, a guy who can shoot, who can score and create. So that would be an interesting scenario. And, and I'm glad you brought up the Lakers because I saw a scenario <laughs> yesterday on Twitter. And I'm just Lakers fans. I mean, as if they weren't obnoxious enough, you know, they win a championship. All right, fine. Good. Whatever. You won a championship. Now it's like, oh, we're going. It's not maybe can we? It's oh, we're going to get Bradley Beal. And some of the trade scenarios I saw, like a guy yesterday posted a graphic. It's Bradley Beal for a first-rounder, KCP, uh, Kyle Kuzma, Danny Green. And I'm like, what? so you're going to offer the Lakers a stapler, uh, you know, a curtain rod, a sharpened pencil, and a late first-round pick, and you think that's going to get Bradley Beal? Like, get out of here with this nonsense. It's not going to happen. I agree with you. I think Bradley Beal starts in Washington next year and then, you know, wherever that goes from there. Obviously, we know that's not necessarily a successful franchise. Now, it's going to be interesting to see how they do when John Wall eventually comes back. It feels like he hasn't played in like five years, but we'll see how that goes. I don't think there'll be anything competitive, but I agree with you on your on your Michael Porter Jr. thought. I think if I'm Washington, there's no way I'm coming to the table with Denver if MPJ is not the starting point of that. They if they're going to give up Bradley Beal, who right now is is their biggest piece, they want to start with a younger, bigger piece. And if it's not MPJ, then then why would they even come to the table? I think that's interesting. That'll be a team to watch and a player to watch for sure. And I liked how you in in your piece too, you put quick hits, how Denver can get better, and you categorized players by tradeability. Uh Nikola Jokic, it was don't even ask. I, I completely agree with that. And then for Jamal Murray, he was the notch below. Don't ask unless you're giving us your whole future. Completely agree there as well. I like the MPJ one. You can ask, but the price is extremely high. And then from there, it's kind of, you know, we can we can work with you there a little bit. Um, do you see a scenario in which, because I think Brandon and I agree that if the Denver Nuggets really want to do something and they really want to reach, reach their ultimate goal of winning an NBA championship, they can't necessarily come back as the same team. Now, this is also assuming that they bring Jeremy Grant back. Even with him back, you can't come back necessarily with the same squad. Do you think they look to improve through more of the trade route or free agency route? How would you, you know, if you had to guess, what does your gut tell you on how they, they think they're going to attack the offseason more aggressively in, in which route? You know, if I were to guess, I would think that the Nuggets probably have a list of guys that they can acquire through trade that they think will take them to the next level. So last summer, the Jeremy Grant trade kind of came out of nowhere, and it wasn't really talked about because the Paul George trade happened, the the Chris Paul came back to OKC, uh, and I think that that move kind of got underrated, but it was a move that obviously helped Denver a lot. And so I think that there's a list of guys maybe similar to that that Denver might have that they'll look to see if they can get for a good price this offseason. Outside of that, I think there is a number of free agents that can really help Denver who they can get with certain salary exceptions. And I think they'll definitely pursue all those options. And I think that Tim Connolly in that front office, they know that you know, the time is now. The window is open. We can win. We just need to put a few more pieces together and we'll be right there. So I think they'll look to do that this offseason for sure. 
And when you when you look at the trade list, I, I love to. I mean, dude, honestly, I can't pump you up enough on this on this doc. Like, there's there's <laughs> so much on here that is so good from from the trades to free agency and just everything you broke down. Excellent job. But I love to the no go list, um, and this is players on the trade block that Denver should probably look away from. And these are names that probably Denver Nuggets fans have either thrown out there themselves or maybe they've seen on Twitter rumored about. Um, one is Miles Turner. The other is Zach Levine. I haven't even heard that one, um, but that's an interesting thought, you know, given that Arturis is there and there's a Denver connection there. Uh, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, Al Horford, you had listed down there. Chris Paul was the one, too, that I think Brandon and I have talked about and one that we would really love. But it's 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 similar to Washington, right, in that they're going to go the more rebuild route. And I think they would want young pieces back to build that team around. And if I'm OKC, I don't know if I'm coming to the table if it's at the bare minimum, not at least bowl bowl, but I really want to do everything I can to pry away MPJ from your hands. However, I think Denver has more leverage there because given Chris Paul's age, his contract number with his age, I think they could probably find a way to wiggle out of that. Why do you think Denver should stay away from guys like Miles Turner, Zach Levine, and especially uh, Chris Paul? Yeah, so I'll start with that, with your last one, Chris Paul, because I really like Chris Paul, and I think he's a great player. Uh, for me, when I'm looking at the Nuggets and their salary situation going forward, Chris Paul is a tough sell for me just because he's making so much money. And I'm not saying he's not worth it, because I think he is. But with Denver's situation, if they pay Jeremy Grant and they bring in Chris Paul, they're going to be a tax team for probably the next 10 years because Chris Paul's contract is going to expire. Michael Porter Jr. is going to be up for a new deal. And even if he's not a max player, even if he's a $20 million a year player, there's no way Denver can get out of the luxury tax for the next decade, probably. And I think that that can really hamstring your team from being, being able to make other improvements. And so with Chris Paul... I would love his fit in Denver. I love having a point guard next to Jamal Murray, but I just think that the situation it would put the Nuggets in going forward would be too tough. And so as far as those other guys you talked about, Miles Turner, he would be good in Denver, but he's making starter money. He wants to go somewhere where he can start. I think that there's other teams that'll put in good offers for Miles Turner. And then Zach Levine, he was the type of guy that I liked before Jamal Murray kind of broke out this season because Levine, he takes a lot of threes every game. And I think he shoots right around 38% on those threes. And that's kind of enough to bend a defense more than I think Denver has right now. Maybe three years ago, Gary Harris used to be that kind of guy that could kind of bend the defense because he was a good outside shooter and he took a lot of outside shots. And I thought Levine could kind of provide that for Denver. But once Jamal Murray came in and started making his improvements that he made on the offensive end this year, I think that kind of nullified any need for like a Zach Levine type player. So I think Denver probably has some specific guys they're looking for. And just in my opinion, these are guys that I do not think would be on that list. Uh, looking on to the rest of uh, the scenarios uh, or the visions that you had, um, what which one are you most inclined? Like, which one, I guess, would you, if you were the Nuggets, 
would you go ahead and take that route? Yeah, so in that preview, you guys are reading the fifth vision thing in there is the one that I would take. So that one, they make a number of moves that I think can really make the team tougher and more versatile. So that scenario, I actually have the Nuggets trading uh, for Drew Holiday, and he's a popular name amongst Nuggets fans. But I think he also gets a little bit underrated because... Gary Harris is a good defender and he would be in the trade for Drew Holiday, but Drew Holiday is an incredible defender. There's been recent interviews from Kevin Durant and Damian Lillard, and they've both said that the best perimeter defender in the NBA is Drew Holiday. And Drew's the type of guy that you can probably play him on a point guard, a shooting guard, a small forward and some power forwards even. He's just a bulldog down low. He's strong. He can really hold your defense up. And I think that type of versatility is really important because on the other side, you have Jeremy Grant if he re-signs. And he can guard really, you know, at least small forwards and bigger. He can guard some shooting guards, but I wouldn't say that that's where I'd want him as we saw in the Utah series, uh, we probably wouldn't want him on Donovan Mitchell all day. But having two guys like that that can kind of guard multiple positions is just super valuable for your defense, and it gives you a lot of a lot of power with things you can do on that side of the ball. And I think it's more versatile than what you could do with Gary Harris. So the trade that, that I proposed to get Drew Holiday was with Gary, and it was with Monte Morris, and two first-round picks. I think that value makes sense for Drew Holiday. He is more of a flight risk when it comes to his contract. He has a player option for 2021 that he can opt out of and become an unrestricted free agent. So the minimum you'll have Drew Holiday for is just for one year. But I think that move is worth it, and I think he could be a guy that could be here long-term. Um, and as far as giving up Monte Morris in the deal... I love Monte Morris. He's a great player. I am worried about what type of offers he might get in free agency next season and if Denver would be willing to match those offers. I could see it being around you know, 9 or $10 million a year for him. And I think that if Denver is nervous about that and they're confident in P.J. Dozier, that they should go ahead and move on from Monte early and kind of avoid the situation that they had with Malik Beasley at this last deadline where maybe his value wasn't as high. And so after that trade goes through, I think the Nuggets can get some toughness. And so that's why I think one of the better targets is Jay Crowder from the Miami Heat. He's the type of guy that can guard LeBron. We saw him on Anthony Davis for some of the finals as well. Probably wouldn't put him there long term, but he definitely can can check some of the bigger wings like Kawhi, LeBron, probably Giannis at times. And he's just a tough dude. And the Nuggets could probably sign him with their mid-level exception. And if they can get him and Drew Holiday and bring back Jeremy Grant, I think that would just be a perfect offseason for Denver. And they could do a, a lot next year, both in the regular season and in the playoffs. Now, in that scenario, though, you'd you do have them keeping Mason Plumlee. Um, 
I, I think I, I can speak for both Steven and I. We get very frustrated watching Mason Plumlee play. He didn't play too much in the playoffs. Um, didn't seem to really, I guess, get anything going, uh, even when they needed size against the Lakers. Is there maybe an option where you 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 do this? You get Drew Holiday, say you get Jay Crowder, but could you possibly replace Mason Plumlee with anyone else, or is Mason the best option? Well, if you do that scenario and you use a salary exception off Jay Crowder, as far as getting new guys, you're mostly limited to a trade or bird rights, which is what we signed, which is what we would sign Mason Plumlee with. And then you're also limited to minimum contracts. So guys that would sign for a minimum salary, you can sign as many of those as you want when you're above the salary cap. So at that point, it kind of comes down to do we like Mason Plumlee better or do we like one of these minimum contract type players better? And there will probably be quite a few of those guys out there. Um, I'm not sure that Nerland's Noel, I think he'll be above a minimum. You probably can't get him for the minimum. But a guy like Kyle O'Quinn from Philadelphia, a guy like Jaleel Okafor maybe from the Pelicans. Those are guys that maybe you could get for the minimum. And I just saw Mason Plumlee as better value at that position. But I can also understand the frustration with him. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's not back on the roster next season. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what Tim Connolly and his crew uh, decide to do with that spot. Right. And, and I, I think, too, out of all your scenarios, I think five is is by far my favorite. And I, I, I've been telling this Brandon to, to Brandon for about maybe a month, month and a half now, even in the playoffs. I was like, listen, once we hit offseason, there's two guys. There's two guys I had my eyes on. It was Jay Crowder and it was Montrez Harrell. Harrell because, you know, he's obviously a six-man candidate, um, even though he's probably priced himself way out of what the Nuggets can can even obtain. You, you obviously lose size with him, but to me, in, in those two guys, you get two dogs that won't let you, as a team, get pushed around, which is at times, you know, a valid question about the Nuggets. Um, I don't think they're soft, but they're definitely not a team that comes out and punches you in the mouth first, uh, at least not often. So, those were two names I've kind of looked at, but I think if there's one I would really love, it would be Jay Crowder, just because I think what he can do on the defensive end, and I think he's really improved his three-point shooting. Obviously, it came back down to earth a little bit in the playoffs, but there was a there was a, a time there where he was he seemed like every shot he was taking, he was knocking it down from three. So I really love that scenario. Drew Holiday, you know, Jay Crowder. As far as, you know, Mason Plumley and Gary Harris, I think I think a lot of Nuggets fans, more so with Gary Fer Gary Harris, is like you feel frustration with the offensive end um, because it's just like, man, that floater is just still his nemesis. He cannot hit a, a four-foot floater for his life. It's just, uh, just opposition to him. He just can't do it. And offensively, it's just painful to watch at times. Um, and then with Mason, it's like there's times where he just makes the most boneheaded plays you know if it's for getting a defensive assignment or you know just doing a behind the reverse you know dunk all the time that was more so last year he kind of cleaned that up this year but it just seems like there's always just mental lapses with Mason but these two guys are so key too as well like the Nuggets wouldn't have got to where they got to without those two guys and some of the clutch plays they make however in this scenario though and I know you mentioned, you know, if, if they got rid of a Mason Plumley, you know, it'd have to be guy on a minimum contract. Is there any scenario 
in which with this one that you put together where they trade for Drew Holiday, they get Jay Crowder. Serge Ibaka is another name I really love. And I didn't really think about until I saw your piece and until recently. And I'm like, man, he would give them rim protection. It's another guy who can stretch the floor. I know he's not going to take a minimum deal. But what would it take to kind of fit him into this scenario? Is that even possible? It's possible. I would say it's definitely a long shot. I think Serge Ibaka is, is a great fit as well. And I like him a lot in Denver. And I think in one of my other scenarios, I have him coming to Denver. But with this particular one, in order to get Serge Ibaka, who might be above a mid-level exception player, which means he probably might make 11, 12 million a year, I could see him getting that. You won't be able to sign him. And so you're going to need to do a sign and trade. And so with this scenario that the... The Nuggets are in with Drew Holiday, Jay Crowder. I think the guy you have to look at is Will Barton. If there's any way that the Nuggets can do a sign and trade for Serge Ibaka, you're going to have to put Will Barton in that deal. And I'm not sure if Toronto would be interested in that. They might be. Uh, You'll obviously need to work with them a little bit in order to get Serge Ibaka. I would think that they would take Will Barton over nothing. And so it's probably feasible to be able to pull something like that off. But yeah, you would have to sign Serge Ibaka to at least a three-year deal. So probably like three years, $35 million, and then do a sign and trade for Will Barton. And it leaves you kind of thin at the shooting guard position, but there's some guys you can get there on a minimum. So you could get Serge Ibaka as your backup center, And then on a minimum deal, you could get maybe a a Mo Harkless to back up Drew Holiday. Uh, There's a couple other guys that you might be able to put there. Uh, But yeah, so Serge Ibaka in this scenario would probably come at the cost of Will Barton. Yeah, and I don't know if I'd be willing to go that far. Because if we're giving up Monte, you know, and specifically Monte, obviously Gary's had his struggles. But when he's on, he's, you know, he's good for 13 to 15. But if you're going to lose Monte, who's a steady scorer off the bench for you, I don't know if there's any scenario, even if it was to get Serge, to give up Will Barton. Because I think with this scenario, I think you kind of need a guy like Will Barton. But, man, honestly, so much of this, the the Nuggets' um, success going forward, it really hinges on MPJ, doesn't it? I mean, because if he can turn into the third guy, and you talked about a guy like Gary Harris early in his career who looked like a guy who could bend the defense a little bit from three, uh, given his numbers. But, man, so much of this depends on MPJ because if he can turn into a a third reliable scorer, and we know he has the potential to be you know star status in this league, but if he could just show that next year – it makes this team so dangerous. And do you think the Nuggets are really going into this offseason banking so much on him taking that next step as a player? Yeah, I think you have to because I don't think there's any talents that you can really get either in the draft or a young player in free agency. You can't get anybody that has that same potential and that same ability as Michael Porter Jr. He's an incredible shooter. Uh, He could be a 50, 40, 80 guy as far as his shooting splits pretty easily. He gets a lot of rebounds, probably creates three shots a game off of just his offensive rebounding. And 
he's a type of guy that Denver can rely on as far as their offseason plans just because he's that talented. Uh, they talked last year, going into last year, about how getting Michael Porter Jr. healthy was like getting another free agent addition. And I think having him go from from year one to year two playing time-wise could be huge for Denver. And I think having him win that starting job in training camp is going to be ultra important. If he can be a starter from day one, he can really mesh with guys. He can maybe figure out some things on defense that he hasn't figured out yet. And I think just that whole experience of him knowing every night that, hey, I'm going to be in the starting lineup. I can get, you know, 10 to 12, maybe 14 shots a night, depending on the night. I think that'd be really good for him. And yeah, I think if, if, if MPJ is good and you keep Jeremy Grant, I think it's almost regardless of what other moves you make. Denver's going to be a really good team next year. Uh, I, I was looking at one thing that kind of caught my eye uh, in all of these scenarios um, was the draft. So the Nuggets right now, they have the 22nd overall pick. If they don't decide to trade it, uh, you have them in a couple of them. You have them picking Josh Green, uh, who I actually really like uh, another three and D player kind of. I guess kind of similar to what Gary is, I guess, um, just with a three ball. Uh, and then uh, you also, if they do give up that first round pick, a second round pick uh, could be uh, this kid out of um, Utah State, I believe. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sam Merle, who I I haven't uh, seen him play, um, but you you know he's close to a 50, 40, 90 type of player. So what are there? are these really the two main guys that you're kind of looking at, or is there anyone else as well in the draft that if they, if they keep the 22nd overall pick, I guess, is it Josh green and that's about it. Or um, that I guess would fit with this team. And if they do give up the first round pick, the second round pick, uh, there is Sam Merle. There's also a kid out of Serbia that Steven and I uh, kind of found. I forget his name though, Steven, if, you remember his name? It was like, oh my god, it was Aless Alessi, some something with a P. Alessi P. I'll, I'll look it up real quick. Yeah, I, I just call him Poku because I can't pronounce there his go. name, but Poku. a lot a lot of people call him Poku. That so. guy, mm-hmm. he he's very under control. I was telling Brandon when I'm watching this guy, it's like poor man's Jokic passing, but I mean he's seven foot. He definitely looked like he's a he's a two guard, just implanted into a seven footer. But he, I got a lot of Manu Ginobili vibes. Just very under control. He's not playing outside of himself. He's not playing too fast. He's very under control. Has a has a nice shot, even though it kind of for a seven footer, I get weary when it dips down in his shooting motion like that because I can get. I think he could get stripped a lot. Um, but I mean, it's a, it's a fluid shot motion. He's he's an interesting one. He's a little bit skinny, a little bit light frame. But I, I think we could see him develop that, hopefully. Um, but yeah, as far as the draft options, what, do, what are you thinking here? Yeah, as far as Poku, he's also the youngest player in this draft, I think. So he has a lot of room to grow. Um, and he'll definitely be a skilled player. I think it'll take, you know, maybe two years, but he'll get there for sure. As far as other guys, I'm thinking in the draft, if the Nuggets stay at 22, uh, Josh Green, like you said, out of Arizona, is one of the guys that that I like for them. He's kind of your prototypical 3 and D type of player. 
Uh, he probably wouldn't play this year for the Nuggets very much, just like I don't think any guy that they draft will be. Mm-hmm. But he's a type of guy that, you know, in a year or two, he could really be a good part of your rotation. And I think as far as other options there uh, at the bottom half of the first round, you have Jaden McDaniels. He's a, a two-way forward out of Washington. He's more of a project. He has a few things he needs to work on in his game, but he's got a lot of physical tools that would make him possibly a really good defender capable of guarding like the Giannis Antetokounmpo's and the Kawhi Leonard's of the league. I think if Jalen Smith, who's another forward out of Maryland, he'll probably go higher than 22. But if there's any chance he falls, I think Denver should definitely look at him. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's mostly those forwards or three and D type guys that Denver should be looking at there. Uh, 22 might be a little high for this, but you could also look at Tyler Bay from University of Colorado. Uh, he's been working on his shooting and he's a really good defender. Uh, probably one of the top, definitely probably one of the top 25 defenders in this last year of college basketball, I'd say. Uh, So he's a guy you can look at, too, and he'll almost for sure be there at 22 if Denver chooses to stay there. Now, and I told you this over over the Twitter DMs, too, Jake. I told you we get carried away, man. It's already been like 45 minutes that we've kept you, so we won't keep you too much longer. We just just love this type of stuff. Um, Last few for me before we let you go. So we know the Nuggets championship window. If it's if it's not completely open, like that thing's been unlocked and it's it's a little bit cracked open right now. And they could really forcibly open it here with a with a few moves here or there, depending on how these next couple of off seasons go. We know what your scenario is. You you told us your most, you know, your favorite scenario of of getting Jay Crowder, Drew Holiday. Do you think it would be best for the Nuggets to try and maximize that window and really open it in this offseason, which is more of an offseason filled with you know role players, um, there's no really big names, or do you think they should kind of stand pat this year and then next offseason when you have the Giannis's out there, um, if, say if a Kawhi opts out or you know Paul George, I believe, can opt out as well. There's more big names in next year's free agency. Do you think they should try and maximize that window in this offseason or should they wait until next offseason to try and lure one of those bigger names and become one of those top heavy teams? But I mean, you can argue legitimately they'd have a you know big three or big four. Now, obviously, that would also impact how they view Jeremy Grant this year, too, as well. Um, and obviously, the luxury tax would come into play, as like like you said earlier. What do you think would be the best way for them to approach maximizing that window i think for right now denver should try to maximize what they can do this off season i think they were so close to getting over that hump and getting to the finals this season that you really just gotta be confident in this roster and confident in your talent and just try and get over that hump i think you know depending on what you do with jeremy grant unless you just outright lose him and don't replace him this year, I think the maximum salary that Denver could open up next off season would be somewhere in the neighborhood of like 20 to 25 million. And that won't be enough to get your super duper stars. 
Uh, you could get a really good player for that type of cap space, but you're not going to get a Giannis or a Kawhi, you know, if, if they wanted to come to Denver. If they really wanted to come to Denver, you'd make it work and you'd do a sign-in trade. But as far as just signing guys into cap space, I wouldn't rely on that for 2021. And I would just go get your needs this offseason and kind of reevaluate around the trade deadline. Maybe if you need to make a small move then. And then next offseason, see what happens in the playoffs. And if things go well, maybe you win it at all. But if things don't go well, you reevaluate your needs. Maybe make some salary dump trades if you need to and and figure out who you can add to this roster to make it even better. What what do you think is still missing on this team for them to get over that hump? Yeah, well, I think you can't just look at certain opponents and say, well, they beat us because of this, so we have to get this. So, for example, the Lakers, uh, they beat you for a couple reasons, but one of the big ones is you didn't have enough bodies to throw at Anthony Davis and they had plenty of bodies to throw at Nikola Jokic. And so I think that's one of your priorities, but you can't just set your sights on beating the Lakers because that's when the Warriors will come in and beat you next year or the the Clippers will will beat you next year because you focus too much on the Lakers. And so I think as far as needs, getting another guy to throw at Anthony Davis is on the list, but don't focus too much on it. I think getting another ball handler is important, especially because uh, PJ Dozier is coming off your bench and he he's not the greatest ball handler, but he can do some good things with it. Monte Morris might not be here for the foreseeable future after this season. And so I think getting another ball handler might be important, but I would do that in the draft or something because it's not an immediate need. But my main thing, just kind of like it sounds like you want, Steven, is I just want some toughness on this team. We saw in that Clippers series, Paul Millsap went at it with Marcus Morris, and it kind of lit a fire under the Nuggets. I think Denver needs more of that. And, you know, credit to Millsap there because he's not usually that type of guy, but he really stood up for his team in that moment. And we saw what the Nuggets did the rest of that series. But I think the Nuggets need some more of that. I think they need some toughness. And that would definitely be the the number one thing on my list. Yeah, and it's something they haven't had, I mean, in years, right? Since that, that 2009 team, I guess you could go back to with, you know, Kmart and those type of guys. I mean, when, when they were known as the Denver Thuggets, which is obviously awful <laughs> yeah. when you look back on it now. But they they haven't had that type of toughness um, really since then. And I think that's a huge thing. It's an underrated thing, I think, in the NBA to have. And, and I love how you pointed out you can't overreact to one team because the West is just too good. If you focus on one team, another team, like, like the Clippers, I mean, a lot of people think, hey, they were built to beat the Lakers. And then you have a team like the Nuggets come in and take you out. So you have yep. to be, you know, focused on everybody, and, and that's the thing too. I mean, we're forgetting there is a juggernaut coming back in Golden State. There could legitimately be two teams that were playoff teams this year that probably don't even make it. I mean, the West is like 10 teams deep, uh, maybe 11, which is why I think they should go to, you know, just a, a 1 through 16 seating. That's me. That's a conversation for another day. But 
Um, yeah, I mean, the West is going to be loaded. And, you know, that's why I think with, with Anthony Davis, I think Sergi Baca would be great. Gives you the length to throw on that type of guy. But it's going to be interesting to see how they play it, man. And, and Jake, we thank you so much for your time, for putting together this piece. I think we learned a lot. I think Nuggets Nation and just NBA fans could really learn a lot from this piece, man. We, we thank you for taking the time out. And uh, we got to have you on in the future if that's something you're good with. Hey, that's that's for sure, man. We can come on again and we can talk nuggets and maybe react to some moves they make. But, but yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on and let's hope the the nuggets can pull off some good stuff this offseason and maybe we'll be even better next season. That's that's the hope. And that is Jake Coin Stat Squatch on Twitter. You can follow him at Bronco Squatch. Give him a follow. Check out his uh, his doc if you haven't on the Nuggets offseason and how they can get better. All right, so it doesn't look like there's going to be a Broncos game today. So, uh, or, or, week, or Sunday, yeah, yeah this week. Um, it, it doesn't matter maybe what one day. day. Yeah, it doesn't maybe matter. one day we'll have a, yeah. a Patriots Broncos game. Yeah, apparently we're just never going to have a game because the. Uh, and listen, I don't want to joke about it because the Patriots obviously have two more positive tests. If you didn't see the yeah. news, Patriots had two more positive tests. One's for sure from a player. It's not a joking matter. I hope these guys recover. I hope they're fine. Mm-hmm. But this will be the third time if we have to reschedule this game. That has happened. So at a certain point, like, I think you just got to give a team an L. And we were just talking about it off air. Like, you you don't want to have the Broncos make the playoffs because our ultimate goal here is to get Trevor Lawrence. I don't know if that's going to happen. But at a certain point. Or like like I tweeted out last night, I mean, I'm willing to jump off the Trevor, uh, the tank for Trevor train if uh, we can jump on the tank for Arch train. But that's another like five years of sucking. So yeah, he he was impressive last night. I watched uh, yeah. a little bit of that game and then I got bored because it's high school football in New Orleans. I don't <laughs> really care that much about it. So, uh, but at at a certain point, like listen, some teams are handling it better than others, and I get it. We don't know necessarily necessarily how these guys are contracting the virus, right. but again, other teams aren't having these issues, and certain teams like the you Patriots. Would think of, are. You would think of all teams to not have this issue. Would have been New England, right? Exactly, and and certain teams just they're just not handling it well for whatever reason. If any reason. team, I would have said Denver would have been the team. Oh sure, but but we're 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 killing it in pandemic handling, so we're winners in that <laughs> aspect. So Broncos country, take that to the bank, all right? But at a certain point, I think you have to start giving out L's because you can only extend the season so much. You can only move the the schedule or, around. Or so you much. go off based off percentage. Sure. However, you got to do it. I just think at a certain point we gotta we gotta give out L's. That's just me. But we're, we're not gonna preview this game because we don't even know if they're the game's gonna or be you, played. You can cancel the Patriots season and just say you guys aren't handling it. So every game that you, you know that you have on your schedule, the opposing team will either go with a no game or a win, and you go based off. You know, if you go no game, then you go based off percentage. So all those teams that the Patriots play. Uh, we'll just not get a game, so they'll get 15 games this year. And and for playoff, as as far as playoffs go, you just got percentage. So the Broncos, the 49ers, the Bills, the Jets, the Ravens, the Texans, the Cardinals, Chargers, Rams, Dolphins, and then the Bills and Jets twice because they've already played the Dolphins once. So the Bill, the Bills and Jets are on that are on their schedule twice. Um, I mean, you're either gonna have to just cancel the Patriots season. Uh, if they continue to miss weeks or you're going to have to extend the season by two or three weeks, but that's dangerous too, because you don't want to let say Kansas city doesn't have any games to make up. 
So they're sitting there for three weeks. You don't want that. So you're going to have to somehow make these games up within a week, I would say, at most. Or at sure. Most. Sure. I mean, literally at this point, the Broncos will get every injured player back. I mean, if we <laughs> keep having to push games back, Vaughn's going to be back, people. Uh, Cortland's going to be back. I mean, obviously, I'm joking here. They're, they're done for the season. They're not going to be back. They have, like, multiple-month injuries. But Locke's going to be back. Boye's going to be back. Phillip Lindsay's already back. I mean, everybody's going to be back. KJ Hamler, that hamstring, going to be great. So, I mean, at this point, we're going to be completely, for the most part, healthy uh, when it comes to this stuff. But, listen, it's, it's, it sucks. It's a weird year. But at a certain point, we just... You just got to start handing out else, but uh, we, we, we're not going to preview this game because we don't know if it's going to happen. And, and either way, I think we both had it as a loss, given that Cam was going to be backed and, and right. Stephon I was, Gilmore. I was happy. So I was like, all right. Here's your analysis. Go. The Broncos would lose. Boom. There you go. Done and over with. You don't even need it. Uh, we'll get to our picks, though. Kansas City at Buffalo. Thursday night football. Obviously, Buffalo is coming off of a, a terrible loss to the Titans, who didn't even practice, and they were just riddled with you know guys oh, yeah, being that's, sick. That's going to be on Monday night. Yeah. Oh, Monday night. Okay. Uh, right, 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 right. That was the original Thursday night. So, yeah. So that game's been moved, but obviously bad look for Buffalo. Yeah. Kansas City is Kansas City. Like I said, I'm, I, even though they lost to the Raiders, uh, they still had a chance to win that game. I think that was a, kind of a fluky loss. I'm still going to pick Kansas City here. I just don't believe in Buffalo. I think they need to have a, bounce, a bounce back game. I just don't think this is a team you want to do it against. I'm going to go Kansas City here. Yeah, I, I, it's hard to pick against Kansas City right now. Yeah, they they lost Oakland, but division games are extremely tough. Um, if if you think a division game is going to be a blowout, I mean, just look at the you know when Kansas City played the Chargers, you know they barely won that game. So, and even against Broncos, it, it's probably going to be a close game when it shouldn't be, uh, because it's a divisional game. Um, so I I don't really put too much on on the Raiders beating the Chiefs. And they also now have Le'Veon Bell, which we, uh, I don't, I don't mean, I don't know how, I don't know if he's going to play against Bills, but that just adds another ridiculous weapon. The Chiefs, I'm going to take the Chiefs, but the Bills, the, the Bills really need this one. If if they can, if they can beat Kansas City, um, they have they have a shot at the number one seed, which would be huge coming to playoffs. Yeah, uh, and the rich get richer with Kansas City getting Le'Veon Bell. Houston versus Tennessee. Obviously, Houston gets their first win last week, and they're they're feeling energized. Uh, Tennessee is coming off of a huge win for themselves. This is actually a tough game to choose, to be honest. Um, but I really like Tennessee. It's going to be in Tennessee. Obviously, that doesn't really matter as much. I just think they're playing really well right now. I didn't think they were for real, but you know what? They're showing to be a really good football team. I don't know if Houston has enough to go in and beat them. I'm going to ride with Tennessee on this one. Yeah, I'm going to have to take Tennessee. I can't believe uh, that they're 4-0. I really, really did not think that they could get to 4-0. They barely beat a bad Broncos team, and yet they they come out. They beat Buffalo last week. Um, ah, gosh. I, the Texans are a mess, even though they got their first win. You, you have to pick the Titans, but... I mean, yeah, I just I can't believe that they're they're four zero. They're not blowing people out, but you know what? They're finding ways to win games. It's like that twenty fifteen Broncos team. You know, they weren't blowing people out. They were in a lot of close games, but they mm-hmm. made the winning plays, and that's what Tennessee's doing right now. They're making. The I winning just plays. I just can't buy into Ryan Tannehill, but he's that's playing what I well. Can. 
he's playing well, and, and that's what I'm saying. And it also helps that you have a 6'8 running back that you can just hand it to you know, 55 times a game, and he just you know plunders in through your defense. Uh, Cincinnati versus Indy. Cincy gets their first win. I just don't think they're a good enough football team to beat Indianapolis, and Indianapolis probably should have won last week against Chicago or against Cleveland. Um, they, they put up a fight in that game. So I'm, I'm going to go Indianapolis here. Yeah, I'm going to go Indianapolis as well. Um, are they sticking with Phillip Rivers or no? I believe so. Yeah, I'm going to take I'm going to take Indianapolis, but I, I mean, I think there's been chatter about uh, Rivers being benched. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, for uh, Jacoby Brissett. Um, Rivers has uh, 1,200 yards, but he's thrown four touchdowns and five picks. Interesting. So, we'll see. We'll, even, see. we'll see what happens with with that quarterback situation. But even even at that point, I think the Colts defense, I, they're they're going to give Joe Burrow some some problems. Yeah, still a better football team there. Yeah. Uh, going on to Atlanta versus Minnesota, the game of who do you want to not trust more? <laughs> and uh, Atlanta obviously just can't get out of their own way. They fire their GM, they fire their head coach. So maybe they'll play a little bit more inspired. However, I still do not believe in them. As much as I don't believe in Minnesota and Kirk Cousins, I'm going to go with Minnesota here. Um, I think they're the better football team. You can argue they probably should have beat Seattle last week if the running back doesn't, you know, run into 15 linemen and instead the hole that was created for him that was like, you know, Moses parting the Red Sea. But it is what it is there. I'm going to go Minnesota. I'm so happy you're picking Minnesota here. I'm taking Atlanta. Oh, you're going to regret this. For oh, for whatever reason, you're gonna regret this. So you hard. pick Minnesota, and they just nope. they just nope. I they... I guarantee <laughs> Minnesota is not losing this game. I'm I it, guarantee it. All right, your your guarantee guarantees my Atlanta pick. All right. Well, when when Atlanta's up thirty five to zero, and they end up losing thirty six to thirty five, you're gonna feel <laughs> real stupid. All right, that's all I'm saying. Washington at the Giants. Yuck. First off. Um, Alex Smith, I think, is the new starting quarterback for Washington now. That alone gives me more faith in them than than whatever the the Giants are trotting out there. I'm gonna go Washington here. Ah, see, I, the Giants played well against Cowboys, but I think every team plays well against the Cowboys. Ah, oh, man, I feel like this is one the Giants can get, but I just have that feeling that Alex Smith is playing is starting his first game since the injury i think they play really well for him so i'm gonna take washington if it wasn't alex smith i would have taken the giants but sure because it's his first start since being injured and being out for that long i just think that team is gonna play inspired for like just for him so yeah i'm gonna go washington that's a hard one though yeah, if it was Dwayne Haskins, I think it'd be more of a coin flip. But I think yeah, as as a Broncos fan, I'm cheering for the Giants, though. Oh sure, yeah, Let, let's go Giants. I got my uh, my G-man hat on. Baltimore versus Philly. Is there any argument you can make for for Philadelphia here? I'm going Baltimore. No, no, the the Ravens will win that one. Uh, Cleveland versus Pittsburgh. This is going to be an interesting game. This you know, obviously Cleveland is is riding high right now. Pittsburgh is is quietly a really good team. I'm going to go Pittsburgh here. I think Cleveland kind of comes back down to earth this week. I think they have the defense to kind of slow down uh, what what Cleveland does, and I think they have just enough offense to kind of, 
uh, give that Cleveland defense some some fits. I'm gonna go Pittsburgh here. I'm gonna go Cleveland. Um, their run game, I think they'll be able to control the clock. They they ran the ball well and they played against a really good defensive team in the Colts, uh, and they were able to put up points. They were able to run the ball. Um, if they don't make Baker have to win the game. They're usually in a pretty good situation. Um, they ran for 124 yards against the Colts. Uh, Baker had 247 yards, two touchdowns. He did have two picks, but the fact that he still had two picks and they put up 32 points, their defense is, is pretty good. Um, it's not great, but it's it's pretty good. They got two picks on Rivers. They make plays defensively. I'm going to take the Browns upset. I The Steelers, this is the first time Big Ben is 4-0 with the Steelers. I don't think he gets to 5-0. All right, we'll see. And, uh, I mean, I can't blame you for taking Cleveland because that's a good football team. Chicago versus Carolina. Um, I have now learned that with the Chicago Bears and Nick Foles, if it is not against Tom Brady, you do not pick them. I'm going Carolina here. They will not deceive me again. Um, Man, when is Christian McCaffrey back? Uh, that is a great question. I would assume he's getting close. But Carolina's been – they've been steadying the ship without him. They, yeah, Carolina's been good lately. This one's this one's tough too. Um, They beat the Falcons 23-16. to They beat Arizona 31-21. They beat the Chargers 21-16. Uh, you know what? I'm going to take Carolina. I don't believe in the Bears. I think they come back down to earth. I'm going to pick Carolina. Yeah, they're the worst – good record football team out there it's it's just yeah. astonishing to me detroit versus jacksonville yikes there's just so much about this game that i do not enjoy i just tend to lean more in games like this uh, who's your quarterback i believe more in matt stafford than i do the the jags uh quarterback with with gardner Minshew. i'm gonna go detroit here again i just don't feel great about it though um Four losses in a row. They wow the the Jags beat the Colts in Week One. Oh man, this one's tough. The Lions like to blow a lot of games, and I feel like Minshew is that type of quarterback that can get them. Ah, uh, if you predict a tie, defense... I'll give you two wins here. <laughs> the Lions defense isn't great. I, I'm gonna take Jacksonville. I'm yeah, I'm gonna take Jacksonville. I like Jacksonville on this one. Four losses in a row, but I mean, uh, the Lions' defense is just not good. They're just not good. All right, we shall see. Um, I have New England down for the Denver game. If by the off chance they do play, are you taking New England here? Yeah, I'll take New okay. England. All right, so we have that there. New York Jets versus the Chargers. I'm going the the Chargers. I don't think there's any argument to be made for the Jets here. Um, I'm assuming you're wait. Going... Oh, wait. Did the wait? I I see Jets Dolphins. Oh, is that? Oh, cause cause they moved everything, didn't they? they? I think they moved everything. Uh, so okay, I think it's Jets sure Dolphins. I'm going off of my doc. Washington Giants, Ravens, Eagles, Browns, Steelers. Oh yeah, Panthers. I'm going off ESPN.com. Okay. Jets. Okay, Jets Dolphins. Um, I'm going Dolphins here. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't even matter the team. I'm going Dolphins. Yeah, I'm going Dolphins. Um, I'm gonna have to change that. And uh, Green Bay versus Tampa. That's still the game. I'm assuming, yep. right? Uh, this is this is a tough one. Uh, Tampa is not inevitable. 
they they're they're very susceptible to to being beat as we've seen mm-hmm. uh especially when tom brady forgets what down it is <laughs> i'm going to go aaron Rodgers here in the packers there's an argument right now going around in the national media that they're the best team in football so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go the packers and aaron Rodgers. he's playing like uh mvp aaron Rodgers right now yeah i'm going packers too uh i'm actually surprised uh with what green bay has done defensively too they've been pretty good they're gonna get to to Brady. I think when Brady, when Brady gets pressured, they're just not very good at all. Uh, you saw what Chicago did to them. If you get to Brady, he's gonna struggle. I think the Packers get to Brady, and and the Packers end up winning that one. And from there we go to the Rams versus the 49ers. Uh, Kyle Shanahan came out again and said if if Jimmy Garoppolo looks you know hindered by that ankle, he doesn't. He won't hesitate to bench him again. That's a team that's just in disarray right now. I just think the Rams are the better football team. Yeah, the Rams are looking uh, like the Rams from the, their Super Bowl year. So I'm, I'm going to take the Rams too. And we already chose the Chiefs-Bills. And finally, we wrap with Arizona at Dallas. Obviously, no Dak Prescott. Um, you know, Andy Dalton's going to be taking over for him there. Dallas can score. At least they, they were able to with with um, Dak Prescott. That defense is Swiss cheese. I just I just don't know how I can choose Dallas, given that they're starting a new quarterback, Andy Dalton. That defense isn't good. I'm going to go Arizona here. Yeah, I'm going to go Arizona too. All right, that'll do. I, it I think picks. I think Andy Dalton will prove <laughs> to to uh, uh, to Jerry Jones that Dak is worth the money. Yeah, he'll 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 turn out to be the red BB gun instead of the red rifle, like he was once coined early <laughs> in his career. That's going to do it for not our even picks. BB airsoft. Oh, oh God, you didn't have to disrespect him that bad. <laughs> um, last week we both went ten and four. The standings still sit at uh, a, a nice, comfortable lead for me. Fifty and twenty-six on the year. Brandon's at forty-three and thirty-three. We Only do seven differ. Games back. Yeah, yeah, we do differ on uh, I think two games. Atlanta, Minnesota. I can't believe you're putting your faith in Atlanta. Uh, I swear to you, dude. If Kirk Cousins loses this game, <laughs> I, I swear to you. And if, if to all teams, if it's the Atlanta Fal- I oh, Kirk Cousins, don't you do this? Don't you do this? Also, also that that Thursday night football bet we made, we might not be able to do it because they're gonna yeah. keep they're Can't gonna keep moving games, games around. Yep, yep. You're, you're lucky. You would have had to owe me two uh, two boxes. Oh so, no! Oh no! 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 You, you I, got, I would have you won. You, you're the one that got lucky, but unfortunately, we won't be able to do it this year. Next year we'll up. do it, but I, as as right now though, next week's Thursday night game is still going right for now but uh we'll, we'll ah, see yeah, we'll so, see i mean we're not going to cancel it now uh at this point though there's only nine remaining thursday night games so what did i say before eight out of the ten yeah um I, I guess i'll stick to seven out of nine for now yeah. but if thursday night's game gets moved we're probably gonna have to just cancel that one i would agree but that's going to do it for us today we differ on two picks atlanta minnesota and uh, cleveland pittsburgh well actually three picks because you're taking jacksonville as well uh so three picks there so brandon could either i'll be within four games we'll see I, I think i think maybe you'll get one of those games but i think uh i think i will come away victorious and i'm telling you kirk cousins i promise you <laughs> if you lose this game i will be in minnesota to move furniture at your house. I think Atlanta, I think it's time Atlanta gets their their first win. 
I, oh, ooh, don't don't make me angry. I don't want to be angry on a Friday. That's going to do it for us today. We thank Jake Coyne for hopping on with us. That was such a great conversation. We hope you guys enjoyed that as well. Uh, for Brandon Stoll on the other side, I am Stephen Priest Jr. This has been the Behind the Glass Sports Podcast. Ha, ha, ha.